Hey guys, William here. Before we get started, before Charlie gets started and really kicks this thing off, I want to make a quick note about this show. If you've listened to our other podcast, the New Blood Rising podcast, and you've heard something similar, we recorded this the same day as we recorded our wrestling pod, and we had to use kind of a different audio setup. It was kind of an emergency setup just based on some of the things that we normally use not working. We recorded this, and everything came out pretty good. Charlie sounds great. My audio sounds, well, not spectacular. But the biggest thing I wanted to note is you might hear it sounds like like some it sounds like a, some really aggressive crosstalk and it's actually however this file got compressed or whatever within the platform we recorded it it kind of jammed up some of the some of the audio. So you may hear at times like before I'm even, I've even finished a thought, Charlie's reacting to it, <laughs> which if you actually see us in person, there's a lot of times where that, that does that does happen. But it happens a few times during this where you're like, whoa, how is he reacting already? Well, it just kind of got jammed up in the process of the file getting compressed. And then um, when I downloaded and put it in here, I started listening back and I tried a few things. And because it's all jammed up on one channel, it's something that's really pretty hard to be able to fix on this but as we said in our wrestling pod we're going to be back to our somewhat of a normal podcast recording style with our next episode i just wanted to make that note because when you listen to this you're like what the heck are these guys doing i just wanted you to be aware that the the good thing is for the most part charlie dominates this episode he has a ton of thoughts a lot of really good takes on new nightmares so it really shouldn't be too much of an issue but you may notice it here and there don't worry, we know about it, and it's not something you're going to see going forward. And with that being said, let's get into this episode. And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Thank you for hitting the download. Welcome back to another episode of When Did That Come Out? Today, we will be looking at the month of October in 1994 with Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, this is the Real Change Movie Podcast. I am Charlie Stabile, joined as always by my best friend, William Rankin. Will, how are you doing today? Um, the quakes, man. It's just shaking so much over here. I'm wondering what's <laughs> reality. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the earthquakes in this movie. Uh, yeah, th so they actually like filmed real uh, damage that they that the real earthquake actually did uh, in this film, which is a great way to save money. I thought that was pretty cool. That's totally, yeah. Yeah. Next time there's a tornado, I'll just go out there and film Twister too. I'll be like, you know what? What's the <laughs> point? We'll just do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. F it. <laughs> So this is the seventh film in the Nightmare series, although not technically a sequel. Uh, this is a little different. Uh, we've got Heather Langenkamp and Robert Englund returning, along with John Saxon returning. Uh, first time for Langenkamp and Saxon in the series since part three. Uh, we've got some non-actors in this movie, which uh, provides some unintended hilarity, uh, particularly from Robert Shea. And even Wes Craven and his... Uh, as in the exposition scene. <clears throat> uh, it's pretty cool if you're a fan of the series uh, because we get some cameos from some cast members, uh, non-speaking roles, of course, but uh, you got Nick Corey, 
who shows up in the funeral scene from the first one, and Tuesday Night from Nightmare Four, uh, who played who took over for the Rose, uh, sorry the Patricia Arquette character. So uh, the reason that um, I've I've never really considered this uh, a sequel to anything really. This was the first Nightmare movie that I ever saw. I caught this on TNT when I was a kid, and I missed out on the whole thing because I was only a child. So, and, and the movie I thought as a child worked just fine. Like you didn't really need to see the original. Uh, and that's really the only one that you should see before this one. Uh, but it was, it, the movie does a, a, a pretty good job of, of filling you in on what the original was. And this is a completely separate idea. And this was such a great idea for a movie, I thought. And, and it was even difficult to understand. I remember trying to explain this movie to people after I had become familiar with the series and they didn't get it. Uh, like, because the idea of the postmodern horror movie hadn't really taken off yet. Um, uh, doing some research for the movie over the years, because uh, I, I am a fan of the series. Uh, this was the original idea that Wes Craven had for part three, and which was back in 1987. And for the film that would become Dream Warriors and basically New Line said that, uh, no, it was too cerebral. We want something more basic, more simple. And granted, while Dream Warriors certainly is more in line with what a nightmare movie traditionally is, uh, some of some of Wes Craven's ideas remained intact in Dream Warriors. And that movie does tend to reach a little bit more th than some of the others. Well, all the other sequels, to be honest, uh, and especially part two. Um, Will, what is your relationship with with the Nightmare series? Don't have much of one, to be honest. Like uh, I have seen, I, I saw the first one a, a long, long time ago. Have not really come back to it. I definitely remember when they remade it. They rebooted it in that run of two thousands movies, where it's like, okay, let's let's that Michael Bay producing you know let's let's reboot a lot of these horror classics and and add kind of that you know that add that 2000 edge to them you know where it's like it's updated in a in, in this time period make it even darker than it was before to subsequent results i mean like subsequently uh, I, successful maybe but overall no i would say but i mean i that's why when i watched when i watched this like it brought back some of what i remembered about uh, about the first one but Overall, like, I, I mean, if I, I probably caught some of Dream Warriors in the past. I remember more so because of Dokken. That's the only thing I really connect to, to, to Dream Warriors anymore. But, but um, that's, that's, I'm, I'm kind of in the, the opposite camp that you're in. Like, I'm, all, I'm pretty much right. all the way out. Yeah, that's why I thought this would be an interesting topic uh, to talk about with this series. We've discussed New Line before uh, in, in the previous season, uh, when we did our critters episode. And I, there's another reason why I picked this is because I wanted to do a movie that they're more familiar with, or at least a franchise that uh, new line was more familiar with. Um, this movie is very interesting. It was released three years after part six, which is technically the final part in the original series. And that one was called Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. Uh, I believe every, one of these, the, the Holy Trinity of slasher movies had a title like this at some point uh, to where there was a signifying that it was going to be the end of the franchise. And surprisingly 
to me to this day is that uh, the final nightmare actually did really well at the box office. It, it, you know, because they had promoted it as the final movie. The promotional materials are actually really good. The poster is really cool. Um, but uh, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie at all. And I think it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths uh, in regards to this series. And we'll get into it a little bit more later. But the state of horror in just three years is quite different uh, from 1991 to 1994, especially in terms of, of the amount of people that are willing to pay money to go out and see these movies. Um, I, earlier, I had listed some of the cameos that, uh, that were in this movie. There's one cameo that's missing. And it's Johnny Depp. Uh, Johnny Depp was uh, wanted by Wes Craven uh, to be in this movie. He wanted him in it, but he was too afraid to ask him because he thought he would say no. And that's the story I've always heard. And I've always thought that was so strange because Johnny Depp does a cameo in The Final Nightmare. And apparently Wes just didn't see that one, even though he claims that he watched all the Nightmare movies before he he made this one to get an idea of, of what the overall story was. And it's like, I've, I've never understood that because Johnny Depp has come out on the record saying he would have loved to have come back and done something for this movie, uh, which is really commendable on his part because he was pretty big at this point. He, Ed Wood came out that year. Uh, a couple of things. There's some updates to the character, which is funny because, like I said, this was the first time I ever saw a nightmare movie. So this was how Freddy looked to me for the longest time was the way he looks in this movie with the more organic claws and the more realistic makeup that he has on, as opposed to what he had in the previous six films, uh, he just he look, just looks more demonic. So, you know, inevitably, when I went back and saw the other ones, I was kind of surprised at how tame in comparison I thought he looked in the other movies. Um, one thing I've always been a fan of this movie, especially after I saw the first one, is and I really realized it yesterday is just how much this movie recreates scenes and bits from the first movie. Some that are really obvious and some that are completely subtle. Uh, and that's another one I want to get into more as we go, because the, this whole movie is about this entity that is trying to escape uh, some realm. And the only way to do it is to make Heather Langenkamp truly become Nancy Thomas from the first movie. And there's a great moment towards uh, the final in the final act where she has to embrace it and because there's no other way out. Um, so I said it off air. I'll say it again. I am a fan of this movie, but there are certain things that I wish that this movie had done differently. And this is going to be this one little note is going to be one of them. Um, I wish Wes Craven. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I wish Wes Craven had a co-writer. Because he has the sole writing credit on this movie. And personally, the way I feel is uh, I think the movie has a lot of interesting ideas. And unfortunately, I think it has too many of interesting ideas. Uh, it doesn't really focus on one or two in particular. It just like we spend some time with this theme and then we go right to another theme that we're going for. And it's a really ambitious movie, especially for its time, uh, pre-Scream. And th it doesn't quite land as well as I think it should. I think his directing is probably the best that he had done up to that point. But the writing is, um, it's a little lacking, I think, in certain parts. Do, do you think there's a focus issue with this movie? I think, yes. Um, the, I don't understand the mythos in this movie. It doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Uh, I feel like he's trying to be the exorcist and the omen at the same time, as well as being a Freddy movie. Like it's trying to embrace like all these elements of horror. Maybe the idea being that like, like this in, in this universe that this one horror entity is like tried to find its way through these other film franchises, but this is the one that it broke through the most is a possible explanation. I guess I, 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 you can see where this will work better in scream much better be trying this very postmodern approach to deconstructing the horror movie, the slasher movie, so to speak more specifically. It's just, uh, it just feels like, like this is, if this movie's made maybe a few years later and made with a little bit stronger of a budget to afford effects that can pull off what you're talking about a little better too, I think it could really work. It's just, uh, it, it's just at this point in time, with only him at the helm and nobody to really kind of help steer this thing, maybe either is on the producing end or on the writing end, that's where this movie just kind of feels like it, it, it feels bloated in a way because it feels like kind of stuck in this repetition before it finally hits this point where it gets going and it starts doing things. There just seems to be this repetition of, and it, it all happens with Dylan. It's like, Oh, Dylan's not sleeping well again. Oh, Dylan's okay. Let's go to the park. Oh, Dylan's not well again. Dylan may be crazy. He's not crazy. Oh, Dylan's okay again. It keeps doing this yep. cycle <clears throat> until it finally, like it finally does get to a point where, all right, we're moving. We're moving towards the 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 rising action and getting into that act three. But yeah, I mean, th- there's a little of ref- a little refinement would go a long way with this movie to make it really yeah, good. Yeah, and it's not like he's not a good writer. He has the sole writing credit on the original movie, <laughs> and the original movie is a great like this leads to this leads to this type of movie. Uh, it's very well structured, and this one I just feel like the ambition is is a little bit out i don't want to say out of his reach but it's it, it's something that it, it, to my knowledge to, at this level it had never quite been done like this before this the 90s were that was the decade of the postmodernism stuff uh last action hero had done it the year before the deconstruction of action movies and this was a deconstruction of horror movies and like you just said i like that idea of well why is this evil entity only trying to get through with um, the nightmare movies? Because that's something that they keep driving home is that it's not Freddy. It's something that's taken the form of Freddy. And, and that's such yeah, a good so idea. Like, it, and, yeah, I just, I, the thing that I don't understand is like, all right, so Wes says the only way to, like once the movie stopped being made, the evil tried to get out again. The evil, it can only be contained by making more movies. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> so the thing I don't, I don't get is, all right, well, if what happens after you make this movie, like, does he give you a grace period? Does he like kind of go, leave you alone? Like, I had that thought too. It's like, well, you can't, you, you I, just can I, make I, one more. I mean, can't Wes just make like any, like just, all right, here, I mean, does, does he, t- does he turn in drafts to the evil entity? Like, does this work? What do you think I need to change? Do you have any notes? Do you have any notes at all? This is where it's like, right. This is where it needs refinement because it's like, I, I just don't understand what happens after the movie's over with because then it's like, oh, so does does she need to keep well, making these? I mean, does it's she, like, does he, 
does is this is he, is this like a way of him trying to justify why there was such a sequel explosion um, with these types of films? Yeah. Like, because like, that's yeah. another thing. It, yeah. It's 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 suggesting something that the movie doesn't answer because the movie is trying to do so many things uh, at the same time. And I tell you, I really like the, cause it's a, it's, this isn't really like the other nightmares are, are, I would consider horror, even the stupid comedy ones. Uh, that's just the genre they live in. This is more of a thriller. Uh, it doesn't, uh, I'll get into the review, the reviews later, but this doesn't have the same structure as a horror movie. But the part of this movie that I really like, and I wish they'd done more of it is the parts of the movie that are the Hollywood insider film. Yeah, there you go. Like the moment Chase makes the movie, I was deflated. Ah, uh, yeah. I like Chase. Cool. I wanted. I wanted. He was. I loved how he was just like, "Oh, hey, man. Oh, well, it's okay. Everything's cool. Oh, you need me to come home? All right, I'm yeah, on my way." Good dad. Like I loved how careful he was. So carefree throughout this whole movie, and I was just so bummed out when he like really died. I was like, "No, kick no, out, kick out, don't no." Do that. Don't. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm going to lose it. But, uh, but, but no, I, 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 there's two things I, well, one thing I, I'm not going to say I struggle with. I think it's, it, it's easy to point out. But the first thing is, here's what I don't understand. And this is where I need help in this, in this mythology of Fred. Freddy's whole thing is he, if you kill, if he gets to you in your dreams, you die in real life. And I remember in the Nightmare on Elm Street, like he would like, so if he's in the dream and Heather gets burned, she's burned. Like she wakes up and she's got a burn mark on her arm. Like if whatever happens in the dream affects the reality. So all right, in the hospital, Dylan and the poor, awesome babysitter, who's the greatest babysitter oh, ever. Her. She's great. Uh, I've never seen someone. Like, I kept waiting for a heel turn. Dude, there never was. She was actually was, a great babysitter. A heel turn. Um, in the original oh. script, she was the stalker. And it's really strange because if you watch the first like 45 minutes with that knowledge, even the camera suggests that there's something wrong with her. Okay. I feel like they changed it halfway through. That's what it feels like. So when when they're in that room, Dylan's, they've they've given him the sleeping stuff. So he's going to go, she's trying to keep him awake. Like, don't do it. Get out. Don't go to sleep. (laughs) Don't go to sleep. And, and, and then, and then, like he starts to doze off, and then, like he's dozed off enough instantly to where, whoop! There's Freddie behind you, behind her. But how she's not asleep? How does Freddie killing her in his dream kill her well, in real life? Because she's not asleep. Well, it, I don't understand. Okay, so let's try to break this down. Uh, this is a, a recreation of the scene from the first movie uh, with um, mm-hmm. their friends, but but the difference is in that movie, the girl was asleep. And she does get dragged up the wall. Uh, and yeah, so in this uh-huh. movie, you're right. It, Dylan's the one that's asleep. I, the way that I, ju- I try to justify it, because you're right, in the, in the rules of Freddy, it doesn't make sense. The way that I try to justify it is that this isn't Freddy. Uh, he works on a different level, and it's never quite explained. Um, this, this is Freddy's is, boss. Yes, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is HR uh, <laughs> coming to do a little cleanup. Um, I remember this scene as a kid was, was terrifying. Um, I had never seen oh, yeah, anything absolutely. like this in my life. Cause I'd never seen the first movie. I'd never seen a character get dragged up a wall or, and plus a character that was so sweet and loving as, um, the babysitter. Uh, yeah, this was, and it's still hard for me to watch. Um, it's very well done, but if you try to think about it too much, yeah, there are definitely 
See, that's the problem. You're not supposed to think too much about horror movies. You're just not. But, but, but I know, I know. You're right. But, you're right. But you're right. You're this right. movie is aiming for something different. And I think this movie should be critiqued on a separate level from like the way you would critique a tip, like any nightmare movie in between one and this one. So I do get that critique. And I do think that that's a viable question uh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, you're right. You just kind of have to go with it. Um, so I'm totally with you there. So the, try to break this down. The, the history of the nightmare series. So this, this movie came about like right in the middle of the eighties slasher boom. Like, yeah, we'd had Michael Myers, we'd had Jason, but then we got a bunch of crap like, right. And not that Jason isn't crap, but we got a bunch of stuff like right after that. Like the people don't even remember. Uh, there were so many of these movies. And then this idea because it's it's really the idea that I've always loved about uh, Freddy because it's fascinating to me because as humans, we're always, I always think, look at us as we have this built-in survival instinct. You know, it's just the, the way we are, the way, the way that we're made. And yet there is a, an essential thing that we all need to do that we have no control over. And it is something that leaves us more vulnerable than we can ever possibly be, and that's to sleep. And I always thought that was a very interesting idea to uh, manipulate that as well. When you sleep, I mean, that's when you're safe. You're in your bed, blah, blah, blah. And here's a guy that can kill you when you sleep. And the first movie is very good uh, with with tension, with special effects, with just the creativeness of what a slasher could do. Uh, Wes Craven really invented it. He reinvented the slasher twice, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, as the movies went on, starting with, I want to say, part three, Dream Warriors, which, yes, that Dawkins song is amazing. Uh, and what's even better is the music video, uh, where Dawkins invades Freddy's dreams. Um, but that's when the character kind of started losing its way, and Wes Craven never wanted a sequel to his first movie. Uh, I like to turn the first movie off, actually, right in the final five minutes, because that's not his ending. He was forced to do that because they wanted to make sequels out of it, uh, New Line. And the second movie was garbage. It really was garbage. And then the third movie, Wes Craven came back for a little bit. And he had an argument. He left, whatever. And the movie just kind of delved into more and more comedy and just kept cranking out sequels, and the mythology got all screwed up. Freddie ends up having like a, a child he never knew about. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and then finally, like this was, all right, let's go back to basics. Because the movie before is, I swear, it has more in common with Looney Tunes than it does with a Nightmare movie. There are several Looney Tunes-esque moments. I mean, there's a shot of him outside of a window uh, riding a broom, uh, recreating the scene from Wizard of Oz. I mean, Robert England is, he's fantastic. He he's, he's always seems like he's up for anything. He's a great ham. But even like, I wish he had kind of dialed it down a little bit because the character truly lost its, its way. And this was an odd time to try to fix that because the state of horror in 1994 was garbage. This was bad. Um, Jason goes to hell, which was supposed to be the final Friday. The, the second movie to be the final Friday, the 13th had just come out the, uh, the year before it, it bombed. It was terrible. Uh, we had had Child's Play 3 in 1991. That killed the franchise for years. And Candyman tried to do something different with a slasher. It has a cult following. Personally, it never really did anything for me. Uh, Halloween was pretty much practically dormant at this point. 
uh, because the the fifth movie just absolutely killed all interest in the franchise. And then the, the one that would come in 95 would be even worse. Nobody really cared about horror movies anymore, specifically the slasher genre. And so this movie came out uh, in 94 and it was really kind of an anomaly and nobody really understood it at the time, uh, which might explain the box office uh, because this movie, this, I'm really impressed. They, they were able to make this movie for $8 million because uh, there are parts of it that look expensive, but then there are parts of it that look really cheap. And really, yeah. really cheap. And I think that was Freddie's biggest problem. If he didn't kill the special <laughs> effects guys, they could have done a better job. That's a good one. <laughs> That's good. Um, the box office for this movie only did about $18 million. And which is, you know, it's not bad for an $8 million movie, but it's bad in terms of uh, what a movie in the Nightmare series would make. Uh, this is the lowest grossing Nightmare movie. And it just, it just kills me because uh, it's, it's not the best, but it's certainly, God, it's not the worst by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so the state of heart was completely pretty much gone. Evil Dead had turned to comedy with Army of Darkness. Uh, it's just this wasn't the best time to release this. And, and I'll give New Line credit for doing it because, you know, they had said no to it like seven years before this, this very idea and they thought it might work. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think a lot of the ideas that are in this movie uh, are better realized in Scream. And I'll get to that more here in a little yeah. bit. Uh, I, like, I like the parts of the movie that kind of pull from real life. Like Heather Langenkamp really did have a real life stalker and it was from it wasn't from nightmare it was from her television show uh just the 10 of us <laughs> whatever that was and i love Wes. i, I watched this interview with wes craven where he talked about it because he was like you know we were kind of worried if if heather would want to do this if, if she would want to bring something truly from her real life into this movie and he said and for years critics always said that my movies uh, inspired murder and, and inspired deviant behavior. Yet the person who's, who was stalking Heather was stalking her from the most white bread television show <laughs> that you could possibly imagine. That's an excellent uh, pull from Wes Craven. I sure it wasn't an acting coach. Like maybe if, it, if, if they okay, just wait a second, okay. it's just an acting they're just trying to get in touch with you. Heather, <laughs> they just want to help. Okay. It, we do. Yeah. We have to talk about this. Um, okay. So the one drawback with nightmare one, and I even would say dream warriors, even though it's not as bad is the acting of Heather Langenkamp. And this, and I'm just talking about one and three. Um, she makes bad choices. <laughs> like there's no other way to say it. She constantly has this, uh, and she has it in this movie too. She has this kind of mouth breather look and she just always looks puzzled. And that she looks like she belongs in an episode of 90210 more than a, a nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like, I'll just, be honest, <laughs> she, she got lucky. Uh, she got lucky yeah. with getting this movie because, in terms of the scream queens of the franchises, she's not my favorite. Uh, uh, J J Jamie Lee Curtis is far better in what she does with her work. Now, I do have issues with her acting in this movie, but believe it or not. This is the best performance she's given in the entire series. Uh, there's only a couple of moments where I, I, 
I think her acting is a little off. Like for instance, like the hospital scene where she wants to go see Dylan. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, or, 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 or the scene where she's talking to Wes Craven. It's like, they're trying to figure out who can do worse in the scene. And, and honestly too, it's, it's a hard, like when you look at it on paper, when you look at it, when you kind of script out like actions and stuff like that, and the journey that the character goes through, this is not an easy thing no. to do. This is not an easy because it's a spectrum of this person is is gradually becoming unraveled mentally to the point where literally they have to become a movie character to survive in a dream and it's like jesus like i mean it the 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 journey she has to go through is one that like it's not it's no it's honestly not a a hundred percent slight against heather langenkamp she just doesn't do a great job with with this and to be fair i I don't know how many could have at, you know, at the, at the time, like, it's not, this isn't something that like, could he just, Hey, plug in Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know if that works either. I mean, to be honest, don't bring like, I mean, like, I, don't I, bring her. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's still really hard what she goes through. I just, it's a bummer because th- th- there are definitely a lot of misses in these scenes. There are choices where it's like, yeah, when, when you're, uh, when it's those moments where she has to dial mm-hmm. it up where it's particularly, oh, no, oh, no, no, she, it just, just couldn't quite bring it. And you know that like by the baby, whatever third, fourth take, it's like, it's about as good as it's going to get. We might as well just go ahead and pray. $8 million. Um, so the reason right. that I, the Wes Craven wanted to do this movie, from what I understand, is that he thought that the character had just become way too normalized. Like not necessarily um, the comedic turn that the character took, but, as Heather says in the movie, everyone knows who Freddy Krueger is. He's like Santa Claus. And this was true. I don't know how true it is now, but this was true. We all knew who Freddy Krueger was. I did before I saw the movie. And no scene better uh, exemplifies that. The best scene in the movie, the talk show scene. Uh, I absolutely yeah. love the way he directed this. Uh, Robert England hamming it up comes out in the Freddy uh, outfit and the kids are going nuts and they're all wearing the masks. They start chanting for Freddy. And then there's that great shot of him uh, from behind his silhouette with his claws that uh, where the shadows actually make the claws go beyond the frame. And, and it's this terrifying image uh, just to see that, but to see the, to see it juxtaposed with the people in front of him that are just cheering him on. And this is the way that it was uh, at the, at the time. And quite possibly the worst interviewer. This guy guy today would be charged for sexual harassment. The questions, the questions he asks are just terrible. He's bad. Like, like, did you catch when he put his finger on her leg? What do you think? Like, I mean, like I, and it's this is where writing is not great. This is where Wes Craven's writing really kind of lacks because I don't know any interviewer that would really just be focusing on us. Oh, you got to stop it, man. <laughs> <laughs> like people don't ask those questions of celebrities in a junket's kind of like atmosphere. And this isn't this technically isn't a junket because it's on a talk show, but still, it's like I don't see Ellen. You know, like asking Sandra Bullock, like, so what's going on? This guy's getting into your house. What's going on with that? Like, no. This is coming from, as a fan of the series, one part of this movie that always just drove me up the wall is how this interviewer asks her 
if there will be another, if she will be in another nightmare movie and Heather kind of answers, no, Freddie's dead. Um, uh, and, and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, you're dead too. You died in the third one. Uh, like, like, like <laughs> that's, that was it. The whole point, the whole point of the third one was to pass the series off to Patricia Arquette and Freddie kills her in the third movie, Heather Langenkamp. And that's never brought up. It's, and it's just, uh, <laughs> it was always a frustrating point for me. Um, but yeah, like this, this scene, notice how, when I point out is this is the best scene in the movie. It's, it's when it's basically just the, the only dialogue is, uh, you know, audience dialogue. Like there's no real talking and Heather sells it really well here though, with just her eyes, uh, that, that she wasn't expecting to see Robert England. I love how like in, in the lives everyone is like, like this from a movie that happened 10 years ago, she still talks to John Saxon on the phone. She still talks to Robert England. Uh, she, she still hangs around these people. And it's just like, I don't think it it works like that, <laughs> but, but it works for the movie no. and Robert England. It's great to see him not necessarily play another character, but play something other than Freddie. Cause he's, he's really good. He's he's boy. There's such an unexplored dude, arc with him, oh, though. Man. Like, I mean, when he's like, like all of a sudden, like he's in the middle of a conversation. It's like, you know what? I got to get back to painting. <laughs> uh, well, you know about the deleted scene, right? You're gonna have to remind me because I remember you've talked about it before, so, but I don't on remember. On paper, it sounds amazing, and then you just kind of keep reading, and you go, "Well, it's the best. It's the great idea with the wrong execution." Um, it's always it always puzzled me when I was a kid. Why don't we ever see? Because there's not a lot of deaths in this movie. Why don't we ever see Freddie kill Robert England or kill Wes Craven? That would be so cool. And as it turns out, there was a draft of a scene where Robert England falls asleep and he wakes up and basically he gets murdered by Freddie or the demon, and which is great, but it's the details of it that are absolutely awful because it sounds like something that would have happened in something like nightmare five. And it would have taken away from the realism that this movie tries to go for. He wakes up in a spider web and it's a, it's like a spider Freddy that just comes and just kind of bites his head off or something, you know, Dude. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Cause I'm about to, I'm about to I, I'm about, I, like, I like an example. I think it's nightmare five. He, a kid, a kid goes okay. to sleep wakes up and he's like a pepperoni oh no he's a sausage on a piece of pizza and then freddie orders the pizza i think and then the guy's like the meatball just like no don't do it no and then freddie's like oh i could really use a bite and and he he stabs the meatball with his uh with his knife knife finger and and the guy's like yeah and he just dies (laughs) and that's the kind of the ridiculousness that the movie's got to. And that's what, that's what this kind of reminded me of when I was reading it. Like, no, this would have been terrible. I can't, I, 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 but I wouldn't understand why would you, I guess I, I, again, like the, what is the demon's purpose? Like, what, first of all, like I had, I had a, I had a, I had a new thought when I was watching this. Is this Satan? Well, I mean, that, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, your your entry into this world has been through these movies, but the movies are what keep you contained. I'm gonna go kill. Why don't you just kill Wes Craven? Just yeah, kill him. He's the one who's gonna make the movie. That's, that's gonna a good just point. that would have been the scene. 
that would have been the scene, man. She goes, she she and Wes are hashing it out, and Wes is like, it's you know, you can see Wes is starting to come a little unraveled. Then he just pulls out a revolver. <laughs> Billy Cole. <laughs> and it would be like, whoa. But that doesn't stop the movie. Like somehow that doesn't stop the demon. Like that's why some of this just doesn't make sense to me. Like, what I don't understand the purpose. <laughs> and that's the thing that drives well, me crazy. Is. And like like why is and it, like is Robert England the stalker? Because he sure acts a little weird sometimes around Heather, where he's like, Hey, you wanna come over? Hey, what are you doing? Like you just see the way he looks at times, I'm like, what movie is this now? What movie are we doing here? Because I thought they were buddies and they're cool because they've been a part of this thing for years. That's a cultural phenomenon. But then it becomes like, uh, how's it going, Heather? You need anything? Yeah. Oh, I- but then, man, him on that phone as he's just drifting off into really got to work on this uh, painting. painting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this, it's so this kind funny. of unexplored part of the movie that uh, that it, she's not the only one having dreams. Like the scene with Robert Shea when the phone rings and, you know, she's like, have you been getting strange phone calls? And then the phone rings and then Robert Shea just tries to act with his eyes. And it's like, oh, my God. Uh, and And like. The, the, let's talk about this because because there is a it's it's such a great idea for a movie but there is a problem with bringing a movie into or a movie franchise in in, in metaform into the real world yet we as an audience are still well aware that we're watching a movie and right. west west craven right. tried to do something he tried to alleviate that a little bit like the credits don't come up until the end all the characters are playing themselves, but then you get something stupid like the inevitable Lynn Shay cameo. Who I like, I, I crapped all over her on the Critters episode. I can't stand Lynn Shay unless it's uh, there's something about Mary. But in the original movie, she was the teacher. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, she's a nurse, and yeah. it's why, like, like you could, like you couldn't have her cameo in the funeral scene as as the actor who played the teacher, or like it took me it right out of the movie. Um, it's this movie also could become like the anti-vaccination movie because like that's what it feels like. Don't give him the mm-hmm. pills. Don't give him the medicine. That's not what she wants. And oh god, the nurses <laughs> in this movie are just like straight They're out of evil. cuckoo's nest. Uh, Especially that one that the babysitter just slugs. Oh, it's one of the best, one of the best yeah. moments in the whole movie. Um, so, like, I started to think, like, in terms of trying to set this in the real world, if this had been made, like, I want to say ten or eleven years later, do you think they might have gone with more of like a documentary type feel or a found footage type feel? Yes. This, yeah, this thing comes out in O two, like O two era. I think, like, if just not even ten years later. Like, I feel like this thing would have a much better spin because you'd be post Blair Witch. You'd be in that era. Like, I, I feel like you could have harnessed in ideas of the filmmaking from like Ringu that would go into the ring. You would harness a lot of these things that visually could be really interesting in terms of just maybe effects, but also in the cinematography of it. Cause obviously nightmare has superior cinematography compared to a lot of horror movies, but man, if that's why it's just such a shame. This, if this movie just, if, it, if they could have shelved it and waited a little bit longer, this thing could have been really cool because there's so many things that are on the horizon for just filmmaking mm-hmm. in general that really could have helped it. I do want to talk about my favorite performance in the movie is actually played by, let me get her name real quick, uh, Fran Bennett. 
she plays um she plays the nurse the, the like the lead nurse and yeah. her yeah. acting is so good and of course it come to find out she was a stage actor um and it's very obvious in her cadence and I, I kind of noticed a different spin on the character when I watched it yesterday, based on some of the things that she says. I think she is supposed to be a representation of Wes Craven's film critics. I think that's the purpose of that character. That's a good call. I, yeah, okay. Because I can do you buy let that. Her, do you let your child see your films? And then, well, well, no. And then, well, um, how did you get those scars? Well, the, the, those, you know, it happened in the earthquake. There wasn't an earthquake. Well, Freddie came out and, and she has this look and that's when she decides to do something about, uh, about the wow. kid. And, and, uh, you know, let's, it, 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 there's, I wish the character had been explored a little bit more, but I think that's what Wes is going for. And, uh, and the way that Heather kind of backfires at her a couple of times is how, I guess how Wes Craven did it. Cause Wes was always being hunted by critics. Uh, in terms of um, the uh, the perverseness of some of his movies, which is so strange. If you if you just watch a one minute segment of one of his interviews, he sounded like the sweetest man. Like he was very soft spoken and very kind. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So I, ah, ah, this movie. Um. It's never explained what the demon is. <clears throat> it's never explained exactly what. Like there's a part of the movie where Robert Shea goes, uh, Wes hasn't called me since the first nightmare movie. Cause that's when his dreams are really bad. So it's kind of insinuated uh -huh. that that was the beginning of the demon, but it doesn't really, eh, he takes the form of Freddie. It's not really explained why uh, it, it's right. like, there are all these little unanswered questions and, and they just, they just kind of hurt the movie. I will say that the kid, uh, Miko Hughes, uh, there are moments where I think he's a little much, but um, I've always liked this kid. Uh, he's, he has a history in the horror movies with this one and uh, really Pet Cemetery. The original is where he popped up, although I think everyone pretty much remembers him as the little boy from um, Kindergarten Cop. And he's great yeah. in that, his little scene. He was the little boy in Mercury Rising, and then he just kind of left. But but I think he does a decent enough job here. And I, I really like the use in this movie of John Saxon because he's not playing the, you know, he's playing himself, not his, the father of Nancy, but he is, he's doing the exact same stuff, explaining away every single detail that she's bringing up. Like, uh, what was it? There was one part where I was like, like, this is one of the things about horror movies that kills me. When someone brings up something that's absolutely indisputable, as as strange and then the other person goes ah that can be explained like really like right, like right, it's in the very right. beginning of the movie when heather wakes up from her dream and she dreams that her husband gets nicked in the finger and there is the nick on the finger and he's like ah, i don't know when that happened you know it's just kind of it was an earthquake and it's like you really don't think that's weird hey i was chopping some sausages earlier hey it happened <laughs> you want a Reese's? <laughs> So, um, okay, I want to talk about the critical consensus here for a second. Let's move on. Uh, for one, this is, I found this surprising. This is Robert England's favorite nightmare movie. Uh, he said it's the one that he thinks holds up uh, the, the best. I, th I think in, in, in terms of themes uh, that are well executed, he's probably right. But um, that's his opinion. 
so the IMD, IMDb with 46,000 votes has this at a 6.5. Metacritic had it at a 64, so that's both positive. The Rotten Tomatoes score, I think, is very interesting. Um, it's the second highest score of the franchise, which I think is – I think that's accurate. It has a 78 critic score and a 66 audience score. Now, it's really what the Roger uh, – the Siskel and Ebert portion, which is always my favorite go-to for these older movies um, – and this is where I always think Roger Ebert was a better film critic, not because he liked the movie, but because Roger Ebert always seemed to be the one who was more open to, he was open to any kind of genre film, as long as he could find some substance to it. And he gave it three out of four. And he said, I haven't exactly been a fan of the Nightmare series, but I found this movie with its unsettling questions about the effect of horror on those who create it strangely intriguing. And sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. But then there's Gene Siskel, who was a notorious uh, hater of the slasher genre. Like, it, it, I think he even gave Aliens a bad review, which isn't really a slasher movie. But I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? Um, Gene Siskel, and this is where I I love the guy. I miss him, but he I think he is completely wrong. Because uh, I think there are so many things you can critique about this movie, and this is not one of them. He says. This movie is nothing more than just another excuse to have the same old bloodletting. There's not that many deaths in this movie on screen, uh, which is why I have a, an issue calling it a horror movie or a slasher movie. Uh, this movie has a very similar structure just on a base level to a movie that he did like, which was Halloween. Freddy isn't seen very much up until towards the end. The, the whole movie is building towards the last 20 minutes, and that's exactly what Halloween did. And we only see Freddy sparingly. But to say that it's just the same old bloodletting, um, this, is, this is a pretty tame movie in terms of uh, the violence that, that we've seen in the Nightmare series. And, I, I, and, and Ebert argued with him pretty extensively uh, on the show about it. But yeah, Siskel. He just was like, nah, nah it's crap. It's garbage. Um, is that... Yeah, I think that's about all the notes that I have. Um, I will say that, so after this, there was like Freddy versus Jason. Ugh. Like this wasn't the end. And then of course the remake, which had a perfectly cast Jackie Earl Haley in a complete garbage film. So one thing that kills me about that movie is that like you have a, you have a franchise, a story at your disposal where the ideas should be limitless to what you can do. The only thing that should, you should be limited by is, is, is your imagination basically, because it's the dream world. Literally anything can happen. And they gave the most basic bull, bull crap dreams that you could possibly imagine in that movie. Uh, there's just no imagination to it, which is really sad because the movie did do well, but that was just because of the name. Um, nobody liked that movie. I, I don't know a single person who liked it. Uh, even Rooney Mara threw it under the bus. Uh, which I have my own issues with that because, you know, she took an opportunity away from other people who would have been thrilled to have an opportunity like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just you don't bite the hand that feeds. Like, that's how I first heard about her. So I thought that was a little uh, disingenuous, to be honest. Um, overall, though, uh, I don't have any more questions for you. Well, is there any anything else you want to say about Wes Craven's New Nightmare? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tell me, you, okay, okay, I, I, let me set this up real quick. Yeah, let, let me set this up. Okay, yeah. so the, the, 
the the, the movie kind of hints well borrows from him I, I guess it's Hansel and Gretel yeah with the breadcrumbs and stuff like that and and that's how uh <laughs> I guess Dylan wants his mom to overdose <laughs> because <laughs> like you, you don't just have to go to sleep you gotta od and i mean that is int- i mean like she how many does she take six. like six at least five six yeah. and yeah that's and it's such a cool moment she looks under the sheet there's nothing she takes the pill all of a sudden there's a whole world under your bed which is so cool and it's and it's what it's the way kids think i didn't mention it earlier but i love the entire concept of like you want to talk about bloodletting one of the char- the saddest character death in the whole movie is rex his uh his his, his poor, poor rex. rex he ate it big time um the he, so dylan has a pet dinosaur that he puts at the foot of his bed to protect him from freddy this is how kids think i i I, that's one thing i miss about Wes craven he knew this kind of stuff and remembered it and of course we see heather come into the room and see that rex has been completely torn to shreds and didn't survive and um it's really it's probably the saddest part of the whole movie (laughs) for me but but you know she's got this whole world to go into and and now instead of uh Instead of the boiler room where Freddy lives, this is like a Babylonian architecture hellscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, it's when the, the this is where that eight million you can see where it well, got stretched and stretched and stretched <laughs> as much as they could do. I mean, they, I understand. I mean, like you only have so much money, and this is what the script says. And this is what we got to do, and let's do it, and we make the most of it. Um, and I, I feel like everything's fine. Like I just. After, it's pretty much in the epilogue, if you want to call it. Like okay. that's where I'm like, oh, that's where we're gonna and leave she starts it. Starts reading the script back to oh. uh, to Dylan. Yeah, what does like, that mean I, to you? Because I, I is, don't know what this means. It reminds me. Is it the? It reminded me of the Ring, which obviously came out much later. But it was like, oh, so it's not like we're passing this on. What? But in the context of this movie, where it's like we have to make this movie to kill the beast but didn't you just right. do that so what's the problem is that what it what's means the problem that what's the that they're going to make the movie I don't know. Like, what's I, that I, note what's I, that note from wes craven i want to thank you for playing nancy one more time yes one last time but i was like wait this can't be one more time because you still have to make the movie once it's done we got to make another one or did she, another or did she kill another uh, one the demon for good when, when she was down there uh it's it's very confusing. Um, I, yes. I, I, I don't like, I love the way I love everything that happens down there in that Babylonian architecture, like Freddie's mouth opening up all practical, fantastic. His, that yeah. scared yeah. me yeah. so bad as a kid. Uh, it's just a great image. And, and then there's like, you know, one of the weird things that Wes Craven does is, you know, <laughs> he talks about how the Freddie got too comical. He wants to take him back to the darkness. Freddie's still got some one liners in this thing. Uh, you ever play Skin right, the Cat? Right. And I love when he looks at Heather and, it, well, hey, the part from the trailer, the, which I think is iconic, which is Miss Me. Uh, I always love that. But the part in the, <laughs> when he when he's in the, in, behind that, that cage and he goes, hey, and she turns around and then just shoots his tongue out at her and she starts screaming. I think that is so funny. <laughs> like yes. that's the part of yes. Freddie that was always fun. And, and, and it's really Robert England's expression when he sees that Dylan's trying to stab his tongue and 
his eyes are going back and forth like, no, no, wait a minute. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I, I also want to talk about like the score here is really cool. Uh, the score is almost like an adventure movie, which is very different from the nightmare scores from before. Like it's this big, like dramatic orchestral, like I, I swear to God, like I bet a lot of the money went to the score. It just sounds way too big uh, for a typical slasher. But you said you would rewrite this ending. Do you have an idea? Yes. Yes. So, cause it's one thing to just, just criticize, criticize, criticize. It's another, let's, all right, I'm going to take a stab at this. Haha. <laughs> laugh when I say that. It's not necessarily to say this would fit this, but if this, if you rebooted this, if you redid this, it's probably where there is where this would work the best. And you'll see why I'm just going to read this just like it is like as a, this is only like, like okay. one and a half pages. This is after every the Hansel Gretel and everything. Freddie burns up. That's happened. Everything has happened. Heather wakes up suddenly in her bed. Daylight peeks through the windows of the bedroom. She looks at the walls and the ceiling as she collects herself. She pulls back the covers and sees the sheets are fully intact. She stands up and bolts into the hallway towards Dylan's room. She opens the door and he's sleeping soundly in his bed. She sighs. Then we suddenly hear Chase from off. Hey, you're up. Heather is startled. Chase, shh, you'll wake him. He closes Dylan's door. Are you all right? What's the matter? Heather grabs Chase and hugs him intently. He can hear her starting to sob. Heather, what's going on? Come here. He ushers her to the living room. Tell me what's going on. I'm just glad you're here. He looks at her confused. I went to the store. Are you sure you're all right? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I think. He, she looks around the living room. and Again, everything looks as it's supposed to. What? What is it? The walls. I, I thought the quakes had left cracks. Quakes? We haven't had any quakes for months. The phone rings. Chase picks it up. Hello? Wes, hey, how are you? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, she's right here. Heather hears who, who it is, and she's once again startled. Chase hands her the phone. It's for you. It's Wes. She slowly takes the phone from Chase. Hello? Heather, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm fine, Wes. How are you? Tired. It's been a long few days over here. That's why I wanted to, that's why I wanted to call you. Did you get the script I sent over? Her eyes go wide. What script? Oh, and Ch this is Chase. Oh, I put it in the bedroom. Heather bolts towards the bedroom. What have you been working on, Wes? Remember what we talked about the other day? I was thinking about a new direction of sorts. Heather walks into the bedroom and sees the script still in its packaging. She pulls the sleeve off and sees the cover page. It reads, Music of the Heart. Music of the Music of the Heart? Yeah. Remember we talked about this? I wanted you to read it, see what you thought. Maybe, maybe it could be something fun. She breathes the biggest sigh of relief of all. Wes, I'm so sorry. I thought, <laughs> I thought for a moment it was another Freddy. Another Freddy? Heather, I don't have that in me anymore. You know that. Is everything okay, Heather? Yes, very much so now. Well, give it a read and get back to me when you can. I will. Thank you, Wes. Take care. You too, Nancy. Just kidding. Just kidding. Bye, Heather. She hangs up the phone and finally looks at ease as she walks out of the room. As Heather exits, we pan down to the bed. And then just ever so slightly, quickly, and fleeting, we see something barely 
poke up from underneath the sheets and then it goes to black. And that's the end. And the only reason I, I thought that would be fun is like, the idea is horror never dies. It never truly dies. It doesn't mean that the character, whatever, there's more of the franchise. It's that horror doesn't ever really die. It just kind of goes away for a while. And it's always going to be lurking literally underneath the sheets is what. And I thought, like, I remember he did that movie, Good Music pull. of the Heart. And, and that's why this couldn't work in the 94 one, because it hadn't happened yet. But and, and I don't think it would be even considered a thing until after he did Scream. But. I, I I just thought it'd be something kind of like this is literally the one movie where you can get away with like it could be a dream the whole thing could be a a dream and it would make sense because like right like I mean it's still it's the idea is that like they're always still there they never truly go away sometimes they come back stronger than others but like that's the and that's the great thing about horror is that it takes many different forms and sometimes it seems very very real. And then sometimes it seems like it's, oh, it's, it's gone away for good, but it never truly has. And I think that's where you could have found something really interesting with this movie. I do like that. I do like that a lot. Um, Cause I don't think any of the nightmare movies have really had a good ending. Uh, in particular, the first one, <laughs> that ending is so bad. Uh, it's it, this one's, this one is okay. I, I just, I'm probably as confused as Dylan, <laughs> though. I'm just like, uh, I guess that's, I guess that's good enough. Um, Cause you know, this movie does have ideas that I really love. I love watching her become Nancy. I love, she, she gets that gray streak right. in right. her hair, the, the, the claws on her arm, the, the tongue gag from the first movie with the phone. And then of course, when she's talking to John Saxon, probably my second favorite scene. And he starts reciting verbatim dialogue from the first movie and and he looks at her and he says i love you nancy and she just kind of sighs and puts her head down and goes i love you too daddy and that's right when freddie breaks out and it's like that was that was it that was the way to do it that was her accepting her fate like stuff like that is so good and and then there's that end yeah. Um, yeah so what uh Wes Cra west craven i want i had a thought about him uh while i was you know, outside of basically this movie, uh, Wes Craven, you know, he died in 2015. It was awful brain cancer. Um, I was always a huge fan of Wes Craven's. And the thing is he's always compared, I think, unfavorable Carpenter. And the thing that I, cause I was thinking about, well, what's my relationship with Wes Craven as opposed to John Carpenter, because I've seen some movies of Cravens that aren't nightmare or scream, but I've never had the urge to truly seek out his entire filmography like I did with John Carpenter. And a lot of people, I think, um, associate Carpenter more with horror. And I honestly don't. I think Wes Craven is far more synonymous with horror. And I, and I, and I mean that in a both good and a bad way. I think Carpenter was actually able to escape the genre and, and, and truly like not just make a film here and there that wasn't a horror movie, but there's a whole separate career uh, where he's doing other things. Whereas as, as opposed to Wes Craven, who, yeah, he like, he made like red eye and stuff like that, but he was never truly able to show us what he was capable of. Like he did music of the heart, but 
you know, then he would go back and do um, like something like Cursed. You know, it's like he kept getting pulled back into these horror movies. And he, and he was known as the horror guy. But he never like had a movie like Starman or Escape from New York. You know, it's because it's like, oh, Carpenter, he can do action too. And, and it's, it, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, granted, I'm glad that his last movie was Scream 4 because I think he went out on top. I think that's great. But it's, it's, it's kind of like just feels, it feels like an unfinished career. Like it feels like Carpenter has said pretty much everything he's, he's, he needs to say. And, and, the, and the fascinating thing is he did it in, in a 10-year span 30, 30 years ago. Right. Whereas I feel like Wes Craven, I feel like he could have done so much more. Uh, but he got pigeonholed into this. And I mean, I was a big fan of Red Eye. But I mean, I was thinking, I was like, let's see, Red Eye, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes. That's re- literally all I've seen outside of these franchise films. You know, I've heard People Under the Stairs is really good because it's a horror movie, but it's really an allegory of, for the Vietnam War, which I was like, okay. I was like, that's kind of cool. Um, then he would do something like Shocker. <laughs> Great name for a movie. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I don't know. It just seems... It's unfortunate. Although I will say, like, what happened here, this was kind of cool that when they tried to revive these franchises to varying degrees of success, um, Wes Craven got the deal that John Carpenter didn't. And I and that absolutely sucks. Wes Craven went to Bob Shea and basically said, I want royalties for the Nightmare sequels that I've never gotten. I want royalties from the merchandise that I've never gotten. Blah, 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 blah. And, and Bob Shea he gave it to him. He gave him everything that he wanted. And then Wes Craven ended up making this movie. And that's so cool. And that's the exact opposite of what happened with John Carpenter with Halloween H2O. He wanted the exact same stuff. He wanted, actually, he had a set number. He said, give me $10 million. He said, that's what I've calculated as the revenue that's been generated that would be fair to give me based on everything that's come after the second movie. And Mustafa Akkad said no. And John Carpenter says, well, well, F you. Uh, I'm not making that movie then. And that ruined what could have been a great movie uh, that, to see Carpenter yeah. come back to that. So at least Wes Craven gets this. He gets this opportunity. And of course, the thing that's the, the best thing to come out of this movie by far, and there's no argument, I don't care what anyone says, is that this would lead to Scream, which is a far yeah. superior and really I think it's his best film. Um, it's it's a perfect movie that like this i like I, I always wonder what this movie would have been like had it come after scream yes, because scream absolutely. took ideas from the, granted scream wasn't even written by wes craven that was kevin williamson that's and that's what i that's think the is mystery. the that's what yeah, makes you had a guy who, who wasn't a hollywood guy he was he was like a film student so you know like wes craven like i'm sorry like yeah it's a great idea like you want to you want to make fun of your own genre. The same thing happened to Last Action Hero. The two guys that originally wrote that script weren't Hollywood guys. And then who rewrote it? Shane Black. And the same thing happened with Kevin Williamson. It's like, here's an outsider's perspective of horror movies. And yeah, you can be an insider and get these movies, but there's something to be said for the, for the audience who sees it somewhat differently. And that's what's missing, I think, in this movie more than anything is the voice of the audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's accurate. I think that's very accurate. That's that's where Screen would really pick up the ball and really they take it all the way. They were a great team. 
And um, that's why the three best Scream movies are the ones that those three had a hand in, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah, not including. See, that was the other thing, too, like the worst Scream movie. Uh, I thought of this yesterday, too. He kind of revisits this movie, West, West, uh, New Nightmare, with specifically Scream 3. He does this again. He goes back to the Hollywood Insider thing and applies that to Scream. And, you know, because it's like, yeah, like there's a little bit of insider thing with the first two, but they literally go to Hollywood in the third movie and and deal with real life people and stuff. And it's and honestly, as even though I think Scream 3 is the worst, I think it's a better movie uh, here. But and I'll say one one other thing of of the original seven nightmare movies. I don't think it's any coincidence that I only like three of them. And they're the ones that feature Heather Langenkamp and Wes Craven. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. he did write portions of Dream Warriors, which I actually do think is the best Nightmare movie uh, by far. But anyway, um, final words? No, I mean, I think you summed it up. I think that bit about where this, what this laid the groundwork for is the ultimate success of this movie. It's not just in, as, a, as a Nightmare movie, but how you could take a horror movie and deconstruct it. This movie is like, this is, this is kind of like the training ground for it. And it's a place where you can fall make mistakes and then ultimately learn from those and make the better movie, which and is it's the just next fascinating one. that Wes Craven, uh, he turned down scream like four times. Um, and I would love yeah. to have seen what would have happened to his career had he not taken on scream. Um, but I can certainly say, I don't think scream would have been nearly as good without him. Uh, it's it's it was that good of a movie, very well directed and a, a fantastic script. So absolutely, um, Will, what what would you rate Wes Craven's New Nightmare? I'd give it a solid okay. six. Okay, um, I give it a I'd give it a seven. I think that's I think a six and a seven are fair, uh, especially for a movie like this. Yeah, based on what you said, those scores those scores seem they falls right yeah, in the mix there. Yeah, based on critical consensus. Although, like I will say, a seventy eight on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like. Uh, okay all right all right let's not you know because this was a movie that was fairly well received it really was uh especially like probably the best the most well received since the original and yet it did so badly <laughs> um in terms of right. nightmare numbers but anyway this was a lot of fun uh i'm so glad we got to talk about uh, a franchise horror film and for the month of october so that leaves us with uh two movies left and those will be the next two episodes that we cover. So next month is the month of November, 1986. We have... 1994. Did I say 94. Yeah, I'm going to season one. Oh, God. November 94. My apologies. We're going to be looking at Neil Jordan's interview with the vampire. And that is going to be something. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long time for me, so I can't wait to do that. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, yeah. I am at C. Uh, follow follow the podcast at Real Change Pod. I am at CM underscore Stabs, and I am at William Rankin. We'll see you for the next episode, November of nineteen ninety four. Interview with the Vampire. Thanks for listening. Well, All right, good, good episode. Good job. Very yeah. good. Very I enjoyed that. That was a good discussion. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's 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 an oddball movie, but you know, it's just I'll give it I'll just give it all the credit for just being ahead of its time. Uh, it just 
and, yeah. and what it uh, what it led to. But anyway, really cool. Uh, let me ask you, because um, I had no idea. What do you have any plans for WrestleMania? I ha- I I was going to talk about that tonight with Amanda to let see me, what's going on with yes, it, and let I will let you know. know. Um, I will let you know. So they can. Are you going to oh, be yeah, off work? Sure. I mean, if nothing else, uh, we could tape delay it and maybe watch it Monday or something. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So just to give you a couple options. Um, yeah, you, you just yeah, let me know what sure. works best for you, and 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 we'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Sounds all right, good. Bud. I'll talk to you later. All right. Good shows today. Mm-hmm. Talk to you later, man. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Bye. Bye. All right.